Siskamelli. Anyone else got a song? If not, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Bailey. Good to be in God's house. I assume I can use this, right? Okay. My name's Sean, and it's my honor to be with you tonight. I was with you in conference maybe three or four years ago. Brother Stature, I remember when it was. Um, it's been quite a while. But the uh, only thing to tell about me is I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like everybody else. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to join me tonight in the book of 1 John, chapter 1. 1 John, chapter 1. In our world, very often is the case that it's difficult to find something true, something genuine, something real. We live in a world filled with inaccuracies and falsehoods. There are infomercials about products that do not work the way you see them on television. Uh, Our refrigerators have fruit juice that don't have any fruit in them. We eat burgers that are not made with meat. And if you want to know the truth, I'm a big old boy and I like to have a little beef. Amen. We watch people on television who are elevated to some place of fame and I have no idea why because they haven't accomplished anything. People are buried in debt to protect a good image. Relationships on social media are not what they seem to be. This world lacks authenticity but in a world that lacks authenticity our faith does not. I'm going to say that again. Our faith does not lack anything. Y'all with me? Say amen. Now you get with me tonight or I'll preach till you leave. Christianity is not a religious concept. It's a comprehensive reality. We serve a risen Savior. We possess a real salvation. We're indwelt by a regenerating spirit. And we are the redeemed saints of the living God. We have something real, genuine, and true. And all that we have rises or falls in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was who He said He was and professed to be. He's the genuine article. He's the real deal. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. Jesus is the real deal. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. If you found it, say amen. All right, stand with us if you're able. The Bible says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, which was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, and you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. Would you bow for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, 
every time I stand, I stand in need that you would fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would preach these lips of clay, and God, you would bind every foul, unclean, or hindering spirit that would try to stop us tonight, and we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. More than any other subject of Scripture, I love to preach about my Jesus. When Christmas time comes, I love to tell the story about the incarnation and the birth of Christ. I love to recall His baptism, His many miracles, His teaching, and I can hardly wait every year for that time of year to roll around when we celebrate what He did for us at the cross and Easter Sunday comes and we remember His glorious resurrection. I just love to think, ponder, and talk about my Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's It's my favorite subject to preach upon and I could preach the rest of my life and never exhaust that subject. Jesus is the central theme of the New Testament and all of the preaching by the apostles. Paul, the great apostle to the Gentile, declared to the church of Corinth, I'm determined to know nothing else among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the very gospel itself that Jesus came, that He died and He rose again the third day according to the scripture and I believe that this is the greatest subject of the Word of God. Now here in these latter days, there are many who would try to uh, 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 take away from the subject of Jesus. There are many who would try to question Him. There are many who would try to change Him. But He is the divine Son of God. One substance with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And John writes to assure his audience that Jesus was who He said He was. He had what He said He had. And He could do what He said He would do. He was and is the real deal. How do we establish that in this text tonight? Well, first of all, I want to say this. It's quite the record to examine. Nobody else could ever lay claim to what Jesus could lay claim to. There were some who professed to work miracles. There were some who professed to do great things. But Jesus laid down His life and rose again on that third and glorious morning. And brother, sister, there is no other who can claim what Jesus could claim. We ought to give Him praise in the house tonight. There's nobody else like him. John writes to believers who are concerned because they've been confronted with heretical teachers who denied the deity. Some denied his humanity. Some denied that the two could coexist. But John reassures them that Jesus is the God-man. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Son of God and He is Jesus the Christ. And so I want to say the Lord Jesus Christ is coexistent with God the Father. John says that which was from the beginning in verse 1. I want you to know He's always been and forever shall be. He's the first and last, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bride and morning star, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. We ought to give Him praise in the house of God. He's coexistent with the Father. He's always been. Psalm 90 and verse 2 said, From everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Jesus was there in the beginning when God created. He said, Let us make man in our own image. Now, i got news for you. I believe COVID-19 is a real thing, but I also believe my Jesus was around long before it happened, and he'll be long, around long after it's gone. Amen. And I believe he's the kind of Jesus that can handle this situation. John says, that which is from the beginning. And he said, I've seen it. I've looked at it, and I've touched it. He says, this is the word of life. It's verbal. It's visible. It's tangible. He said it's something real. Each one of us can see 
hear and touch our neighbor. Now, I don't want you to do that because we're practicing social distancing. But I'm saying, we can. John said, I've been around. Y'all with me? Say amen. I've been in his presence. He said, I was there. I laid eyes on him. And that's why in his gospel, he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He has heard this Word of life verbally. He's seen it visibly, and he's touched it physically. How can that be? Because the Word became flesh. He dwelled among humanity. His glory was seen as the glory of the only begotten of God the Father, full of grace and truth. John said it's real. What a record. He was there with the Father. He is the divine Logos. He's the perfect embodiment of the Word of God. He's the son of David who will sit upon his throne forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18 tells us that when the kings took office in Israel or Judah they had to handwrite the copy of God's word or the law but he was the embodiment of it, the divine word of God. He was co-eternal with God the Father. He was co-existent with God the Father. Listen, he was from the beginning always there and forever shall be. What about that? He is before all things, and by Him all things exist. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same one who spoke and called Lazarus forth from the tomb with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. He's eternal. The same one who healed on the shores of Galilee. The same one who forgave sins, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who ascended back to God the Father. And one day very soon, when the trump of God sounds, He's coming again. Hey, He's the eternal Son of God. And he's also the co-equal son of God. Before Abraham was, he was. He said, I'll forever be. I'm the same one. And Jesus said he shared glory with God the Father before the beginning. And therefore, he's co-equal with God. It blesses my heart to know tonight that he's the one who walks and talks with me. Muhammad, can I preach? Is that okay? I know when I'm in free, with other brothers and sisters in the Free Will Baptist Church, I'm in good company. I'm not going to get close to you, but I'm going to move about just a little bit. Jesus was there. Jesus was real. He is co- And it blesses me to know that I'm his and he's mine. Mohammed can't say, I come out of the grave. Dow can't say, I come out of the grave. Buddha can't say, I came out of the grave. Miss White, Mr. Moon, Charles Taze Russell, listen, you can point to their graves, but over in that garden in Jerusalem, there's an empty tomb that testifies he's co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with God the Father. Nobody else can ever make claim to a record like that. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want anybody else. Say amen right there. It's quite the record to examine. Number two, it's quite the relationship to experience. John said, I was in on this. I heard it. I saw it. I touched it. And he said, it's so good, I can't keep it to myself. That's why we're still doing this in the midst of a pandemic. That's why we're out here tonight. It's so good we can't keep it. We want to share it with other people. That's why we're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. John writes, we've heard it, we've seen it with our eyes, we've looked at it with our hands of the Word of And he says, now we declare it to you. You ever had something so good you just had to tell somebody about it? Say amen. 
That's how good God is. Get somebody's fried chicken on a Sunday afternoon after church, and it'd be the best fried chicken you ever had. And you got to get that recipe. I don't know, maybe it's something they do with the meal or the flour or the bread. But you told somebody, so-and-so's fried chicken was so good. John writes late in the first century, all the other apostles are deceased. And he refers to this personal experience they all shared. They were eyewitnesses to the literal, physical, and historical reality of Jesus. John said, I saw him, I heard him, I touched him. And now that memory is burning in my heart. I can't let it go. I've got to share it with you he's passionate about it it's powerful so he declares he wants us to share number one in the faith he said for the word of life was manifested we've seen it we bear witness and we show unto you that eternal life if anyone has Jesus he has the Father and if you have the Son and the Father you have the Holy Spirit and if you have the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit you've got eternal life John said, I've got to talk about it. I have got to... Listen, nobody could test a doubt in his mind. Isn't it good to feel that way? Say amen. Can't nobody change my mind about my Jesus. Can't nobody change my mind about what he's done for me, about how he saved my soul, brought me from a devil's hell, pulled me out of the merry pit, put me on a solid rock and established my goings. My mind's made up and I'm going to make it. John said, I've got to tell what I heard, what I saw, and how I felt. There are some things in our lives that have happened that are indirectly related to us. We heard it through the grapevine. He said, she said, drama. You hear somebody talking about it, and the story changes over and over and over again. Let me give you an example. When I first came to church where I pastored, I ate six pieces of pizza. By the time I got home, it was a whole one. Amen. Y'all with me? Say Amen. And I'd eat them six pieces of pizza again, just for the record. But John said, this ain't something I heard through the grapevine. John said, this ain't no he said, she said. Now, I can use proper grammar, and I can talk it with the best of them, but I'm going to preach in the Spirit tonight. John said, this ain't no he said, she said drama. He said, I've seen him, and I felt him. He was a member of the, of the inner circle. He witnessed the transfiguration. He laid his head on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. He was present for the agony in the garden. He was the one apostle who went to the cross with Jesus. He was an eyewitness to the resurrected Savior, for he'd been present when Jesus... Jesus appeared to the disciples and John had watched as Jesus left this earth and ascended into heaven and he said I know that I know that I know my Redeemer lives hallelujah to the Lamb of God well I feel arrived in my soul tonight he said my mind can't be changed and that's how he wants us to feel he was convinced that his faith had given him eternal life so he writes in 1 John 5 and 12 he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He was convinced of what he had experienced and that he had endured. And, and so he went so far as to endure exile on the Roman penal colony of Patmos in that old rugged volcanic isle and his, for his testimony of Jesus Christ. But through that tribulation and hardship, though things got tough, John said, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to tell my story to many witnesses because I know in whom I have believed. Have you felt hardship? You know, some of the greatest revivals in history have started during hardship. When Hezekiah took the throne, things were bleak in Judah. Say amen right there. 
But he came in, opened up the house of God, started having worship, got rid of them idols, and things got good again. Amen. Things were tough in John's time under the Roman Empire. And he'd been exiled. But he couldn't be stopped from talking about Jesus. His faith in what Christ had done was unshakable. In chapter 2, verse 2, he writes about the finished work of Christ. He says he's the propitiation. He is uh, the substitutionary atonement, the satisfaction for our sins. And not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I want you to know, if you die unforgiven tonight, you die that way by choice because Jesus died for one and he died for all. And so he writes in verse 13 of chapter 5. This is what we call a purpose statement. He says this is one reason. This is actually the central purpose of this book. He said this is why I'm writing unto you. These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. That word may is a permissive term. He said you're allowed to claim it. Now, I know you can backside. I, I get it. But I can claim tonight I'm going to heaven. If the trumpet of God sounds before I walk out of this door, I know exactly where I beat my loved ones in the air. Say amen right there. I know that I, somebody asked me the other day, said, you still saved, preacher? I said, you bet me. I, you bet you. I know that I know that I know where I'm giving, where I'm going, and why I'm a going. And so he says, this is why I write. And he wants us to share in his faith. So he says in 1 John 5 and 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, he wants us to share in the feeling. He had sh shared something. He had experienced something years early, years earlier, that he could still feel. You remember when you got saved? Boy, I can still feel it, can't you? I just can't get over it. If you can get over it, something's wrong with it. Amen. You ain't got it right. You can't get over what Jesus has done for you. I don't care if you was the worst sinner ever was or you was just a good moral person. Once God saves your soul through and by the blood of Jesus Christ and you are justified because of his resurrection, that's something you and I cannot get over. John said, I've heard him, I've seen him, I've touched him, and I've looked at him. And in verse 2, he says, I've seen it, and now I testify to it. In verse 3, he said, that which I've heard, I declare. He wants you to feel it just like he does. That's why we're here tonight. We can feel it just like he does. His memories of Christ are burning within. Think of the saints you once served with. They've gone on before. I can't wait to see them again. Say amen. My memories burn. Oh, but I know when I get there, the first thing I'm going to do is see my Jesus. Listen, I'm going to see some saints. I'm going to see the sights, the things, the half which is near. I have not seen, ear have not heard, neither hath it entered into the hearts of men what God hath prepared for those who I know. I'm going to see some sights. I'm going to see the saints. But bless God, first of all, I'm going to see my Savior. John's heart is burning. And John chooses his wording carefully. He said, I heard. The Greek word is written in the perfect tense. Now get this. That means he repeatedly listened intently when Jesus spoke John hung on his every word Can you, I, I, I've never heard him audibly but I've heard him I'm about to, John said I hung on his every word I've heard his promises to me I've heard his promises to the church I've heard his promises to the saints of old to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob and to you and me through Jesus Christ I've heard him John moves on and he says, 
I've seen him. That word means he perceived, discerned, or understood. Get, let's, let's draw the picture. He said, I listened intently, and I became exactly aware of who he was. How could you hear Jesus and not know who he is? When you hear him speak, when you hear what he's done, when you hear his, he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Come on, church. There's no way you cannot become aware of who. That's why he uses this same wording over and over again. Then he says, I looked on him. He gazed closely with great feeling or admiration. He means when he looked at Jesus, his heart began to beat like it had never beat before and his eyes became fixed on him. Then he said, I touched or handled him. He said, I took hold and couldn't let go. Now, I've never heard him. I've never seen him. I've been made aware of him. And I've took hold of him, and he's taken hold of me. I want to say this. Never laid my head on his bosom like John. Wasn't there when he was on the cross and said, It is finished. Thank God it's finished. There's nothing to be added to, nothing to be taken away from it. But sis, I've heard him. I've never seen him, but I've seen what he's done. Can I testify just for a minute and get back to the I'm about to finish. I'm going to wind this thing down. When I was 21, I knew I was called to preach. knew I was supposed to be a minister. But it was hard. I didn't have a Bible college education then. And couldn't find a church to pastor. God wasn't ready for me to pastor. I had to learn some things. Elijah had to go to the Brook Sheriff before he went to Zarephath. You know what I'm saying. And so I went to work in corrections. And I worked for a year. And after a year, I developed this dizziness. I mean, my mom and dad, they thought it was viral. They took me to the doctor. Nothing was done. They put me on some medicine. It didn't go away. Two weeks went by. Three weeks went by. I couldn't walk through the house to get to the table. And I've always been big, but I lost some weight. And finally, they called me from the jail where I work, said, you're going to have to come back to work. Your paid time off's run out. By the grace of God, I drove my vehicle to work, and I was stumbling around in the hallway with inmates. Now, I've never drunk alcohol in my life, and I'm not bragging. I've never had... But my lieutenant called me uh, over the radio. He said, you need to come to my office? He said, are you drunk? I said, I'm dizzy. This was a Sunday evening. I didn't want to work on Sunday. I wanted to be in church. He said, you're going to have to go home if you're that sick. I was waiting on an MRI. I had seen multiple doctors. I stopped that night at the Little Free Will Baptist Church where I was raised and brought up. And I wanted the elders to lay hands. Is that okay? I wanted them to lay hands on me, anoint me with oil, and pray for me. I did, brother. And I'd stumbled down that aisle to get prayed for. I ain't been to have no MRI. I'm walking just fine now. My steps are steady. My feet are shod with the preparation of the truth. I'm not dizzy no more. I ain't been back tonight. Listen, what I'm trying to say is I've never seen him, but I've seen him work. I've never reached out and got hold of his nail-scarred hands. I wasn't like Thomas when he said, my hands, my feet, my side, but I've got hold of him. I can feel him in my life. I'm not letting go because it's the best thing I've ever had a hold of, and it's the best thing that's ever had hold of me. He said, I want you to feel it. He said, I want you to have a sharing in our faith. I want you to have a sharing in our feeling. One more thought. I want you to have a sharing in our... I've got a lot more I can preach here. I'm going to move on. In our fellowship. Verse 3, he said, That which we have seen and heard we declare unto you, that you may have fellowship. That Greek word fellowship is koinonia. It means uh, a partnership or active participation in each other's life. I was raised up thinking fellowship was elbow bumping, fist bumping, or shaking hands. But it's active participation 
in each other's life. That may be through a meal. That may be through a get-together. But it comes together through church community, being with one another, being there for one another. But he says, I want you to have fellowship with us. I want you to actively participate. Get this. For truly our fellowship is with the Father. He said, come be part of us because we part of Jesus. Y'all with me? Say amen. He said, I've got into something. That's the best thing I've ever been in. John had had a wonderful relationship with his mother, Salome. He'd worked side by side with his brother, James, and his daddy, Zebedee, in the fishing enterprise at Capernaum. They were close. He had taken care of Jesus' mother from that day when Jesus said, Son, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son at the cross until she died. He had gotten close to the other apostles, and they had all gotten strong together but no other relationship compared in his mind to the intimacy that he had with the son of God he said he participates with me I participate with him and I want you to have that same fellowship with Jesus and that's what I want for this church it's quite the record to examine quite the relationship to experience one last thought and I'm closing out of it it's quite the reality to enjoy How did Jesus convey to us? How do we realize he's the real deal? Four times he makes a purpose statement in this book. Central one is that we may know that we have eternal life. That's the primary purpose statement. But he's getting elderly now. His life's mostly passed away. And he's not worrying about it ending because he knows he has eternal life. John's full of joy. Now, we can be unhappy and still have joy. I'll give you a little bit of an example of that. Went to pick up Brother Jeff tonight and bring with me, and I, had, I always carry a bottle of water with me. I spilt just a little bit on my trousers. I thought, oh, no, I was unhappy, but I still had the joy of the Lord. And John says, these things I write unto you, that I've heard him, that I've seen him, that I've felt him, that I've touched him, that you can feel him in your heart just like I do. Why, John? Verse 4 says, that your joy may be full. Well, I don't know about you, but that's shouting ground. That's shouting ground. We can feel him just like John who was there with him. And that's shouting ground. He wants us to enjoy our Savior. We may enjoy hearing, seeing, seeing, looking upon and feeling the very one who was from the beginning, not so much with our natural eye, but in our hearts. Habakkuk 3.18 says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Paul says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen, I rejoice that he's my atonement, that he's my advocate. This is all in 1 John. And that he is my blessed assurance. That's how I rejoice in Christ. He also wants us to enjoy our salvation. He said, we've handled the word life and we show you eternal life. I've preached a lot of places where it looked like people on looks on people's face, they were enduring the service. This time we stop enduring the service and start enjoying our salvation. You say, well, bless God, the trumpet's going to sound soon. When I get to heaven, I'll like it a little bit. Hey, why don't you cash in on it now? This is the Lord's day. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I got to have part of that. I don't like the same things I used to like, Brother Dennis. My life's changed. And I enjoy my life. When I'm, 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 I'm almost done. We're about to get out of here. It's, it's only 646. 
when I'm driving in my car. And when I was growing up, I liked that old rock and roll stuff. I could listen to you sing all night now, sissy. And I'm start saying, and I ain't no singer. But when I'm start singing, uh, God walks the dark hills, and I'm feeling it like it's nobody's business. Oh, my heart's full of joy. I'm enjoying my salvation. Whenever I'm listening to, 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 to one of these old-fashioned Bible-believing radio stations that are, that for the most part, uh, you can't get them on, on, on this new satellite radio. They don't want them, but you can get them on AM and, and, and some FM. When I start listening to them, and some old preacher comes on, and he might be a hacking and a hawing, but he's a telling the truth, and it touches my heart. I'm having me a good time. I'm enjoying my salvation. Pointed under man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. But this same John tells us in the fourth chapter, we can have boldness. That's confidence in the day of judgment. I'll not stand there a shaking. I'll not stand there ashamed. I'll stand there a shouting through and by the blood of Jesus Christ, because God had made him to be sin for me who knew no sin, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. I enjoy my salvation. One more thought. He wants us to enjoy our service. That our fellowship, our partnership is with them because their partnership is in the Son. I enjoy handing out tracts. Tell you this story and I'm done. Wednesday night I preached little old tiny Free Will Baptist Church in Norton, Virginia. It would fit on one side of your sanctuary. I'm not kidding you. And with COVID and people being sick, and I had the COVID back in, in, in February. And uh, I've been vaccinated, so... Uh, and I, I'm for medical freedom, so you, you know you got your own rights. But uh, I hadn't had nobody saved under my ministry in a long time throughout this. And I know I don't do the saving. I caught my best friends, the Church of God pastor. We go in the same heaven. We believe different than each other on pneumatology and even eschatology, but we go in the same heaven. Is that all right? Say amen. We serve the same Jesus. I told him his name's, his name's Eric Sean. My name's Sean Eric. Ain't that wild? That's, that's got to be a God thing. I said, nobody's been saved under my ministry in so long. I said, I'm about to resign. And I, I don't know if I was depressed. I don't know if I was anxious or what. I said, I don't know if I can preach in this revival. I said, I'm about to resign. He said, don't do that. He said, don't do that. That Wednesday night, I went to church. And I preached from this same text. Every time you preach it, it comes out different. God sends it just how he wants it. And there was a 14-year-old boy sitting in the back of the church. He'd sit there every night and not move. I gave an altar call, had every head bowed and every eye closed. I said, if there's anybody here that knows they're not saved, I said, would you raise your hand? It was him. I said, would you like to be saved? He didn't move. I said, do you want to be? I said, if you want to be saved, I said, I'm going to count to three. You come up here. He got up, ran down that aisle, fell into that altar. He said, how do you be saved? I said, believe on the Lord Jesus. If you should believe in your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with your mouth that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That boy believed in his heart. He confessed with his mouth, and he is on his way to heaven. They're going to get him to the water here this week. Hey, he's on his way. And I enjoy my service for the king, don't you? How can we know that Jesus is a real deal? quite a record to examine. Nobody else adds up. It's quite a relationship to experience. Love my wife, my kids. Brother Jeff in the last years become such a good friend to me. Ain't nothing as good as my relationship with Jesus. And by enjoying the reality. Nobody can unconvince you, can they? You enjoy it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you.
God, we're thankful for what you've done tonight and for the words you've given us. God, I pray tonight as we get ready to move into the invitation, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Christ or anybody here who is not as close to Christ as they'd like to be or they're not enjoying their salvation, God, they'd come and their joy would be full again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet if you're able? Bow your head in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to give my invitation here this way. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, now's the time to come that your joy may be full. If you're not filled with joy like you once were, and you want your, David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation in Psalm 51. If you want your joy restored, God's got a vision for this church. If you want in on that vision just to experience it, maybe you can't see what he's going to do, but you won't feel it. Would you come tonight and say, Lord, fill my heart with joy as she plays? Would you come? Would you say, God, you've reassured me of how real you are in my life. I felt you like John felt you. My heart burns within me for you. God, I've heard you speak. I felt you touch me. Would you come tonight? If that's you, would you come? Would you come at this old-fashioned altar? Kneel down. Let the Lord minister to you. If it's salvation, if it's healing, if it's reassurance, would you come? That's right. Come on. Would you come? Would you come? More need to come. If you're here tonight and you need something from God, now's your time. This is don't walk out that door and say, I should have prayed. I should have let the Lord touch me. I should have let the Lord heal me. Don't walk out that door and not get what you come for tonight. That's what this service is all about. This is the Lord's day. He's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And He just wants to touch you one more time. Would you come? Would you come? Lay your hands upon her. God, move in their lives. You know the situation, but I don't. God, bring healing. Bring hope. Bring comfort, God. Would you come? Would you come? If you know in your heart that you're going to face something this week that you dread, something that's going to overwhelm you, something's going to make you miserable till you get back to the house of God. Won't you come and cast your care upon Him because He cares for you? Would you come? Would you come? Give them the very desire of their heart to delight themselves in you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Would you come tonight? Would you come? That's what this altar is for. Old Testament only the priests could come near the altar we've been made kings and priests unto God we can come near that we may receive help that we may find grace in the time of need would you come
Can I can I speak to y'all? Y'all praying for a baby? No. My wife and I lost our first one. We were told we wouldn't. We've got two. <laughs> Rejoice. Rejoice. Everybody look up here at me. Everybody happy in the Lord? Say amen. All right. Now I'm going to turn it over to one of these deacons and let them close out their service. I'm going to get out of your way. Thank you for your attention tonight, and God bless you. Thank you for having me.